Sometimes a geek can't just catch a break. We're going to talk about that more on today's episode of the Geek Watch Podcast. This is the Geek Watch Podcast with Brian Hatcher and Andy Petrie. Greetings, Geek Watchers, and welcome to episode 147 of the Geek Watch Podcast. I'm Brian Hatcher, and with me, as always, Geek Watch's own resident geek goddess, Mandy Petra. Hello, Brian. I'm going to complain a little bit today, just a little bit. Just a little. Until we complain about something else. But I do have to tell you the misery that I have been putting myself through over the last week or so. Before we talk about that, let me say off the bat, God bless A23 Films. I love that studio. Okay. Because... They are willing to give us weird stuff like The Green Knight and mm-hmm. horror movies like Midsummer, mm-hmm. and they're willing to do some like really weird films and they're willing to experiment. And Hereditary, good Lord. I think that was like the first film that I saw. There was an A24 film was Hereditary. And if you've seen it, of course, Mm -hmm. you're scarred for life at this point. (laughs) But I love A24. I love the fact that they're willing to take chances. On the podcast before, we've talked about everything, everywhere, all at once, which I really want to see. And I've been seeing some of the reviews for it. And everybody's just like, oh, this is like the craziest thing ever. But, oh, my God, it's so good. It's got Michelle Yeoh in it. And she's amazing. Mm Mm-hmm. And that would be enough to sell me, but it's a... a Multiverse, yeah. Yeah, it's Uh a totally multiverse, and it is completely crazy. Mm -hmm. I really want to see this film, and so I was like, where is it playing here near me? Nowhere. And it's not Uh at all. (laughs) Am I going to have to drive to Ohio? And so I checked the theater I usually go to in Ohio. And they're like, yeah, they're playing it once. Uh They're playing it one time during the entire day. I'm like, what is up with this film, man? (laughs) I get it. It's weird, and you're not exactly sure how well it's going to do, but Uh it's, oh, God, it's heartbreaking. And the worst Mm -hmm. part about it is, of course, the one movie theater here in Charleston that I know would play it is Underground Cinema, the little small micro theater. Mm -hmm, Yeah. And, of course, because of COVID, it doesn't uh-huh. seem like they've really recovered yet. Mm-hmm. And so there's been this one film they've been showing over and over again. I've been looking at their schedule, and that's been about it. Although they would definitely be the one to pick it up, I would think. I, I guess right now they're just... Could you put a worm in their ear about it and say, hey, won't you... I would believe that they would pick it up at least for the film festival. But as of right now, nothing around here is playing it, and... I'm sure in like really big cities, if you want to see that film, you'll be able to see it. Mm -hmm. And I just wish it would have gotten a bigger release. Yeah. But Hollywood's just really skittish about things right now. Yeah, like when I see the trailer, it reminded me of Looper, that kind of sci-fi. And looking at this, thinking to me, it looks like a sci-fi, a kind of time travel, but just dimensions instead of time travel. That's what it looks like to me. And maybe they just don't know how to present that because there may be sci-fi elements it will probably have some horror elements in it and maybe they just don't know how to sell that how to market that to a widespread audience yeah i I think at this point with hollywood i think right now they don't know how to market anything (laughs) i'm being serious because Mm -hmm. you look at a movie like ambulance that just came out it has big name stars it's a michael bay vehicle 
And people are saying, it's a really great movie, they're saying. This is probably the best Michael Bay movie that he's done in decades. The story's amazing. It's not just a shoot em up blow em up typical Michael Bay movie. It's a really good movie on its own, but it's also got that Michael Bay craziness, and mm-hmm. you've got all this action and excitement and everything that you expect from a Michael Bay movie, and it tanked. It completely tanked. Huh. And nobody can seem to figure out why. This movie has all the earmarks of being a blockbuster hit, and it just bottomed out, and nobody can figure out why. Hmm. We're still suffering from the throes of COVID Mm -hmm. and really all the unpredictability. And right now, Hollywood is desperate to do anything to try to figure out how to break the code Mm -hmm. and get people back into theaters. Marvel doesn't seem to have that problem, obviously, but they're Marvel. (laughs) So what can you do? But right now, it's just Hollywood. I think they're just, they're confused and scared and they don't know what to do. Right. It's so crazy. I do have to mention this too, though, because I saw something a couple of days ago. I read an article that I thought was the first thing I did was I looked to see if it was published on April 1st. <laughs> this can't be real. There's, there's no way. There's, no, they're not. No one's actually doing this. And then I looked and it was like, okay, no, it wasn't. Well, this is a late April Fool's joke. No, apparently not, because other places have published it, like Variety. And I have to say, I'm still not convinced I'm not being punked about this. <laughs> but let me tell you what this movie is about. Apparently, they are shooting a movie called Spirit Halloween, <gasps> about a Spirit Halloween store that opens up mysteriously, because, of course, they all do. Yes. Uh-huh. And, just and people for... get trapped in the store overnight, and the animatronics come to life and attack them. Haven't they made two movies like that? Two or three movies? Yes, and Five Nights at Freddy's right. is, is uh-huh. all about that as well. There was a Nicolas Cage movie that was that not too yeah, long ago. That and, was yeah. A, yeah, that was very much a Five Nights at Freddy's yeah. uh, clone, to be mm-hmm. honest. And yeah, so they're basically doing that again. And it's got Christopher Lloyd in it. And Rachel Leah Cook is in it. Mm-hmm. If you remember, yes. she's all that. Now, don't get me wrong. I love Spirit Halloween Store. Oh, yeah. Uh, I wait for it to open up every year. Mm -hmm. I'm always buying new stuff. Last Halloween, I got a mug that looks like the handbook for the recently deceased. Aw. I love drinking my coffee out of that. It's wonderful. I love Spirit Halloween Store. That being said, I don't know how this movie succeeds. I don't see how it gets a wide release. This feels very much like a straight-to-video. It doesn't sound to me like the kind of movie that has any hope of being successful at all. It sounds to me like an episode of Buffy or Supernatural to me. Yeah. Yeah, kids go missing mysteriously, and oh, it happens to be this one Halloween store. Yeah, basically it sounds very much like it's going to be a big movie-length commercial for the Spirit Halloween store. Okay, why am I going to mm-hmm. pay money to, to watch that? And a I, store that's only open 60 days a year. Again, I love the store, but I don't know if I want to watch a movie based around the store. Mm-hmm. I would be curious to see if this movie is going to be straight to video mm-hmm. or if it's actually going to get a release. And if it winds up getting a wide release <laughs> when everything, everywhere, all at once did not get a wide release... <laughs> I'm not going to be happy. (laughs) That's all I'm saying. I'm just not going to be happy. But let me mention this really quickly and then we'll move on. 
I really wasn't sure about even talking about this at all. And ultimately, we're not going to talk about this at all. Okay. But because of who they were, I thought maybe I should look at this a little bit. And maybe even though I didn't want to talk about it, maybe we should. I, I don't know if you've even, have you even watched the news on this Amber Heard, Johnny Depp trial? Have you? I've seen different things on it. I've watched body language experts look at both of them and talk about which one of them looks like they're being truthful. That kind of thing. I know of it. I haven't been watching closely. You're very lucky. (laughs) And I can't really say that I dove in too deeply to it myself, but I ran into a news article, an online video, news about the case, how it was going like the first day. And I thought, oh, I don't want to watch this. Maybe it's newsworthy. Maybe we should talk about it on the podcast. And I am not kidding when I say this. I couldn't watch it all the way through. I just couldn't. It was... One of the most unpleasant things I've ever had to sit through. My goodness. And I've watched Audition. (laughs) We basically have two people that are painting themselves as victims and painting the other person as a monster. Mm -hmm. Like the worst monster you can think of. And the thing about it is, very often, it's just human nature to think one side is right and one side is wrong. Mm -hmm. And... The idea is this trial is going to determine, okay, who's telling the truth and who's lying. And I have to say that my hope for this entire situation, and it's not ideal and it's not good, but my hope is that they're both lying about all this, that they are so mad at each other that they are trying to come up with the most horrendous things about each other that they can and that it is all just a lie. It's all garbage. As a relationship, they didn't work out. They hate each other and they're willing to just say anything on the stand to paint the other person as a monster. I don't know that's what's going on. I hope it's what's going on. And I know it's terrible to even say that, but I really do because I hope that not a tenth of what they're saying in court is real. I just do. And maybe it's because I'm a a gentle, tender soul. (laughs) But... Like I said, I just couldn't sit through listening to a lot of this. It was just, it was horrible. Mm -hmm. And hearing them going back and forth at each other and hearing the lawyers paint these pictures that I'm like, this is just terrible. And so if I'm glad for anything is that in about three seconds, I'm never going to talk about this again. (laughs) But with that said... We did happen to see some new trailers, and I did catch the trailer for the fourth season of Stranger Things. Ooh, which how's that look? It looks pretty good. I have to admit that after the first season, I dropped off and stopped mm-hmm. watching it. I need to get back and start watching again. Obviously, our main characters, in a real sense, they've grown up in this right? series. They, yeah. And so they're bringing everything to a final closure, which... It looks like it's going to end with a bang. So yeah. it looks like it's going to be pretty intense. And I'm really looking forward to that, definitely. So mm-hmm. like I said, I've got some catching up to do, but definitely. I'm definitely going uh, to uh, check that out. But speaking about not ending with a bang, let's talk a little bit about The Walking Dead. We are going to go into a little bit of spoilers because I'm going to talk about the series, just bits and pieces of it. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the things that, honestly, I have been thinking about over the course of 
watching the series, and I think you saw maybe like the first episode and the second episode, am I right? Mm -hmm. Yep. And you haven't caught up with it since then. I have to say that this second part, and of course we got the last mid-season cliffhanger. Right. I have to admit it wasn't much of one. I have to say that what this second third feels like to me is it feels very much like the last hour of the night shift at a fast food restaurant. It's like, (laughs) it's where you're cleaning up around your work. You're still needing to keep the grill open and the fryers going. And you're hoping no customers come in. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. But if they do, you've got enough stuff going where you can fix food because you have to. Uh But you're trying to clean up around everything else. You're trying to get stuff put away and floors mopped so that once you close the doors, you're not having to spend a bunch of time cleaning things up and and all that. That's a fun metaphor about human cannibalism, brain-eating zombies. That's a good metaphor you got going on. That's just the way that it feels to me because, first of all, like a lot of the main characters that we've really grown to love in the show are gone now. They're either been disappeared, they've been magic helicoptered, Mm -hmm. they wandered off, or they've died. Mm. And we still have... Went crazy, went to the other show. and (laughs) Yeah. I mean, we still have Maggie, we still have Daryl, we still have Carol, and we've got some of the really strong second stringers that came in later, Ezekiel and Gabriel Mm -hmm. and Eugene. The thing about it is it's like no character is really developing. We're not really seeing any changes in characters. We're not seeing any arcs because, again, they're trying to settle all of this down. Until the end. Oh, and the other thing, too, is that we're dealing with the Commonwealth. And, of course, the Commonwealth can't be all good guys. But you just came off a season with the Whisperers. And they had a cliffhanger of half the cast's heads cut off and on pikes. Right. (laughs) That was how they ended on a cliffhanger. You're not going to do anything worse than that. Certainly not with the Commonwealth. Yeah, so, there's not going to be cannibalism. There's not going to be heads on pikes. Basically, you're like... tank at the fence. You get... Oh, God, runaway bureaucracy. (laughs) Oh, Lord, what are we going to do? Now, in the 1980s, that would have been frightening because everything was about bureaucracy and the evils of big business. And (laughs) Yeah, and not to say there's no drama in that and you couldn't tell a good story with that, but again, it has that feeling of we're cleaning up and putting things away. And I think the best example of this to me is the fact that it really does feel like they've ended the friction between Maggie and Negan. Mm. It's like they've mended their fences. Mm. And to some degree, I can understand how they've motivated that a little bit because Negan's protected Maggie's son. Mm -hmm. And yeah, you got to give some points to that. But man, it does feel rushed. And the other part of it too that bothers me is it feels like, especially when it comes to Negan's relationship with other people, especially Maggie, is that it feels like the show is expecting everybody else to have the same information that really only we, the audience, have. A lot of Negan's character development and understanding Negan came from Here's Negan, Mm -hmm. that standalone episode. And so I can watch that and go, okay, I understand why Negan's acting the way that he is. But nobody else knows about this. Mm -hmm. This really happened... By himself and thinking about what his past was like. And he didn't really talk to anybody about this. He mentioned to Gabriel previously, back when the Saviors were fighting against the hilltop and Alexandria, where 
Negan mentioned to Gabriel that he had a wife. But like I said, all this character development that happened in Here's Negan, which was great and helps us to understand Negan's character and sympathize with him to a degree, nobody else knows about, so they shouldn't be acting like they do. Mm-hmm. The other thing, too, is that Negan and Maggie are going off on a spinoff show. Right. We've talked about that before. And maybe they're thinking we need to settle this part of it because... We don't want it to carry on to the next show. Why not? Because I feel like if that tension between the two of them, if you completely get rid of it, you're really losing a tool in your toolbox. You, could, you have something right to start off with. Yeah. Go. So These instead, two people you, who hate each other probably need to bring a group of people together. They need to work together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And especially when you're getting rid of it in a way that doesn't feel earned because mm-hmm. it happens so quickly. But then again, Negan's wandering off, and then a couple of episodes later, we catch up to him again, and he's he's married, yeah. and he has a wife, <laughs> and she's having his baby. And so, like, that just happened out of nowhere. Uh, and, what a time jump was that? And I guess they did that to some degree because they wanted to humanize Negan a little bit more, especially in Maggie's eyes. But Right. But, yeah, I just feel like... If we had to give him something important because he's away from all the people who are like... Judith, a few people that he might have cared for, he's away from them. So now we have to give him this to give him something important to fight for. Yeah, I just feel like it's not a great idea to take tension out of a show when you're going to have to come up with some other reason to put tension into it. Mm -hmm. And I get maybe they don't want people to feel like if you didn't watch The Walking Dead, then you're not going to understand what's going on between Negan and Maggie. But literally a flashback or yeah, something. Yeah, you don't need to you don't need to it, understand. Yeah, honestly, it wouldn't take very long to understand it. Mm-hmm. You could get people back up to speed and also emphasize to us who have been watching it, "Oh god, yes, that was horrible." But yeah, I guess they just basically decided, "No, let's just end it." At least that's what I think that's what they're doing. Uh-huh. We don't know what's happening in the third trimester. Try the trimester, yeah. Yeah, we don't know what's going to happen there. So it's very possible that in that final third, Maggie turns around and and kills Negan's pregnant wife and says, okay, now we're even, and leads the story into that. It could happen. And you're looking at me going, thank God Brian doesn't write this damn show. (laughs) That's very Red Wedding. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's what they're planning. They're like, yeah, you think things are over. No, we all... And And all of a sudden, she goes Lady Macbeth. Exactly. And so maybe that's what they're planning. Maybe I'm completely wrong on this. They're lulling us into a false sense of security, and then Mm -hmm. Maggie's going to go crazy, and then obviously she's going to have to run off to New York because nobody else is going to want to deal with her. But Negan, by God, he wants to deal with her, so he follows her. Yeah, maybe that's what they're planning. Mm -hmm. So if that's the case, number one, I was wrong about it. and I will admit I was wrong Mm -hmm. if that's what they're doing instead of just trying to wrap everything up in a bow. And also, if this happens, I'm sorry I even brought it up in the first place. (laughs) But that's the danger of the show. I I come up with the evil backstabbing Uh and you come up with with the the magic helicopter. That's our role in life. But we have to end today's show with Moon Knight. Episode three. So I just can't believe how fast this show is moving, but I don't mind it. They're throwing everything at you all at once. All this is happening, and we don't even get like any lead up to this. So bam, we're here. We're what's happening, and wow. Yeah, and when you think about it, of course, at this point we're halfway through the show. Yeah, <laughs> and we only got three episodes left. It is very frenetic, but that type of storytelling really helps this because mm-hmm. that's really what our main character is going through because. 
They don't necessarily know things that are going back and forth. And in this one, we get Mark going through what Stephen was going through. <laughs> yes, we yes. get the other we get the other side of it. <laughs> yeah, we get the other side of it, and we get a, I think a little bit more because there seems to be somebody else involved right. as well. And of course, in the comics, people go, "Oh, Jake Lockley, yeah, another one of the personalities." So they're thinking maybe this is Jake Lockley. Now, one thing I love about the show and the fact that it looks like we may be getting a third personality. Mm -hmm. And this just shows you how strong the storytelling is and how much that the writers understand how human nature is and how the human mind works. They take advantage of something that we all do as human beings to help obfuscate parts of the show. And what I mean by that is, I'm sure you've heard the expression, I was looking for my keys everywhere, and wouldn't you know it, it'd be in the absolutely last, last place, place I, I looked. looked. Of course, right. yeah. Now, you know why the keys were in the absolute last place you looked? Because you're not going to keep looking after you find them. Exactly. <laughs> but that's how the human mind works. Once we have an answer to something, we stop looking. And so in the first episode, where Stephen is in the uh, gift shop, and the woman walks up and says, I'm looking forward to our date. We all knew that there was two people. We knew there was Mark and there was Stephen. And we're like, Mark asked her out on a date. So we had that figured. Uh-huh. And so later on, when we see who Mark is as a character, we don't go back and go, wait a minute. Mark's married. Married. So why would he ask someone would... out on a date? Yeah, exactly. So we, you don't even think back to that. Mm-hmm. And... Again, when Stephen wakes up and he's in another country and he's being confronted by Arthur Harrow and he blacks out and comes back and there's all this blood and all these dead people. Mm -hmm. Oh, that must be Mark again. Mark. And it probably wasn't. Right now, because when Mark wakes up to the same thing and he says, Stephen, what did you do? Exactly. And in episode one, when those villagers, the uh, cultists were killed, mm-hmm. one of them was a kid. Mm-hmm. And the fact that we know that uh, Mark wouldn't ever do anything like that. Mm-hmm. And again, episode two, where Stephen is sitting in the back of the car and they're like, oh, look, Mark Spector, he shot all these people in the back of the head at this archaeological dig. And he, he just gunman styled all of them. And you're like, man, Mark's a horrible person. Uh-huh. Whoops, maybe it wasn't Mark. Nope. It looked <laughs> like Mark, but it wasn't Mark. <laughs> Which, of course, in this episode, we find out Layla's dad was one of the murdered. Oh, crap. <laughs> and Mark knows something happened and obviously doesn't feel all that good about it and has been lying to Layla to protect her. Conchu up on the building and he's looking down at both of them and like Mark knows he's looking at her and he's wanting her and it's driving him more crazy than he already is. And then when they bring him before all the other avatars and they talk about how crazy he is and oh, that's perfect gaslighting and everything to, to the other gods. It's brilliant. And you know, the thing, uh, again, you get to see Oscar Isaac just act, the heck out of this even in these magically placed mirrors that (laughs) just happen to be everywhere including a jousting uh tournament there happen to be mirrors there sure (laughs) but i'm okay with it i'm okay with them being there i think really the best part of those moments when he's in the mirror and when they cut to the mirror and he of course just drops into the other character to make it look like the mirror's talking back this is all oscar isaac no special effects he's doing this which is amazing and then the transformation in the desert Wow. Amazing. Now, 
One thing we do have to mention about this episode is Gaspar Uliel, which played the art collector mm-hmm. slash black market guy. Okay. And in the comics, he's a character known as the Midnight Man, who basically stole art not to sell it, but to keep it. He was a ah, collector. Okay. And so this character is based off of that character in the comics. And at the end of the episode, this episode was dedicated to him. Wait a minute. Why dedicated to him? When I know the name. Why did I remember the name? And I'm like, oh, that's right. And I looked it up to make sure that I wasn't uh-huh. mistaken by this. But, yeah, the reason the episode was dedicated to him was, of course, he died a couple of months ago. Oh, I wow. had thought I'd heard something about that, but yeah, he yeah. died in a skiing accident, which is a, a shame and a pity, yeah. and I'm glad that, that he got a dedication in this, and I, I think Marvel was doing some other stuff to basically, once his the episode he appeared in mm-hmm. happened, they wanted to celebrate the work that he did. It's Like I said, it was it's a shame that we're not going to get more of him as a character, obviously. Yeah. The way the show was set up, it looks like he was killed off in that episode anyway, but yeah, he was amazing in the episode, and... Ethan Hawke, too. Good Lord almighty. Man. Shoo. This is a dangerous individual. That whole trial scene. He just walks in and, and does just a classic ad hominem attack, which works and basically gets him out yeah. of the situation. Although I kind of wonder if Kanshu was even planning on doing that or if this was just a, a chance to get Mark into the Pyramid of Giza mm-hmm. so that he could get that information that he mm. needed to get to find okay. the sarcophagus. If that wasn't just the play, because to be honest, Kanshu, he didn't have anything, no. honestly, to go in. I, I don't know how he thought he was going to convince anybody of anything, mm-hmm. but maybe that wasn't the plan. Yeah. But, of that could have but now we've got a depowered Mark slash Steven slash whoever else. Yeah, is he even going to wake up? Who will he wake up as? Yeah, right? exactly. We had Leglets like, Mark. Steven. <laughs> yes. So you don't know. Don't know. And he, he doesn't have the powers of Khonshu anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, and again, this is just classic great storytelling because this is the end of the third episode. This is dead in the middle of the entire story. Mm-hmm. And it's, to me, I would think this is going to be the climax. But knowing Marvel and how good they are at storytelling, this is probably not even near the climax that I think. It was like, to me, this is everything. We're at the pinnacle, and now we're going to start petering down, but no. Oh, uh, no. In typical storytelling structure, this is what they call the uh, lost all hope moment, where mm-hmm. it's like right in the middle of the story, there's this moment where the hero suffers a huge loss to a point where you're like, I don't know how they're going to be able to continue. Mm-hmm. And... Here we have Conchu is imprisoned in stone. Mark slash Steven slash whoever else no longer has the suit or their powers. They are vulnerable and they still have to find some way of defeating Harrow. And time is running out. They know where he's digging now, but what can they do about it? Mm-hmm. The gods have absolutely no intention of interfering. And Mark slash Steven slash whoever mm-hmm. and Layla have no idea. They wouldn't be able to contact the gods even if they needed to. So they are literally on their own now. Yep. And so it's that moment of they've lost all hope. And it falls exactly in, in the storytelling structure where it should. Mm-hmm. 
But again, with Harrow as a character, and we always talked about how good villains are the ones that you don't agree with, but you understand. That speech that he gives to the little statue, the imprisoned (laughs) Khonshu, you're like, what did Khonshu do to him? (laughs) If you hadn't broken me so completely, I wouldn't understand. I used to enjoy it. (laughs) That is the sin. Uh That is the horrible sin I must bear, this idea is that he is the way that he is because of what Kanchu put him through. And mm-hmm. he says, what you have done to me has allowed me to be victorious. And you just sit there and you think about this and you're like, oh God, yeah. where is this going to go? But this, God, this guy walks on glass. So that's, yeah. Which I have a real feeling that he's doing this out of penance uh-huh. for all the pain and suffering and death that he caused in the name of Kanchu. Yeah. I think he's punishing himself. Corporal mortification? Is that yeah. the right? Yeah, it's Ugh. flagellation, basically. Yeah. Like the old... like Monks his, and That would beat themselves and, yes. with whips. Uh-huh. He's punishing himself for his sin. And the soundtrack, it's like he's... When he's Every walking, time they still, make sure that... Uh, you hear the glass. They do not want you to forget. <laughs> that this is... Yeah. Yes, you, every single time you hear it. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> but... Again, amazing writing, and I cannot wait to see what happens next. And we shall see. And with that said, we come to the end of episode 147. Thank you for listening, and tune in next time for the latest in geek news and views with the Geek Watch podcast. For Mandy Petrie, this is Brian Hatcher, reminding all the geek watchers out there, we're all geeky about something. Be proud of yours. See you next time. Thank you for listening to the Geek Watch podcast. If you enjoyed this program, don't forget to like and subscribe on your preferred platform and share this podcast on your social media. For links to all the ways you can listen to the GeekWatch podcast, as well as leave comments and suggestions, visit our website at geekwatch.net. The GeekWatch podcast is a Hanging J production. <laughs>